Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finchley. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. 2020. Wish that was my eyesight. 2020. Some, there's an argument going on right now whether this is the beginning of a new decade or it's 2021 that's the beginning of the decade. Uh, whatever it is, we've started a whole new season. 2020, a new year. New year, new resolutions. Anybody make resolutions? Nobody. Yeah, resolutions. When you get old enough, you stop making them. That way you don't break them, Right? But every year, it's a time of renewed hopes, renewed dreams, renewed desires. Uh, and you know, there's better, there's more help with them now. How many of you have a smartphone? You know, if, if you made a resolution to lose more weight, there's an app for that. Noom.com. I'm serious. If, if you want to get more organized in your life, you just need to get everything going better in 20, you set a resolution to do, there's an app for it. It, it. There's thousands and thousands of apps that are given now and created in such a way that literally probably anything that you think you need help in, there's information. You can Google it, Right? As I was looking to 2020, I was asking the Lord for a word, and the Lord gave me an app. He said, 2020, there's an app for that. It's prayer. You don't need a smartphone for it, but there's probably apps that would help you do that. But the reality is this. There was something given to man at the creation. When man was created, that has passed down through the generations, and it's available to us to step into a new year, to a new decade, to a new day, with not just information, but transformation. Because I want to tell you something, all the apps that the, the world can create these days can give you information that can help fill your mind with everything and you can get all kinds of, of advice. But let me tell you, there's only one thing that will transform your life that will change you and change your world, and that's Jesus Christ. And God has given us a way to literally tap into life's limitless reach of all that He's purposed and all that He's planned. And it's an app called I Pray. Now, it's not on your iPhone. It's an opportunity. And what I want to start over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at, I hope, a new way for you to look at the opportunity, the, the limitless reach that's available to you through your prayer life. And I want to say it that way, prayer life. Because I've found that a lot of times we've been brought up to say our prayers. We've been brought traditionally to, to make a time for God and do those. I'm, I'm, I wanted you to look at prayer in a whole new way this morning. 
And I want us to look at the promises that are available to us because I don't think we understand how valuable what's available to us through what is an old holy practice, a holy habit called prayer. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. I'm going to pull out one verse, but really I'm going to read two verses. But I want to introduce you to a new way of thinking about and maybe practicing prayer. And today I want to lay the foundation for it. But most of all, I want you to understand that the best way we can enter into 2020 and what God has in store for us is with our attention on the one who created 2020. You know, 2020 didn't happen by just a calendar. It happened by the grace of God. It's an opportunity. How many of you didn't think you'd see 2020? Jesus was coming back in 1973. Right? And then in 1988. And then 2000. Remember Y2K? I want you to understand, don't take it for granted. The year we have right now is in the hands of God being handed out to us. What are we going to do with it? What's going to take place in your life in 2020? Well, there's an app for that. It's called prayer. In Jeremiah 33, the context of it is Jeremiah was given a message A message to Israel. Israel was walking away from God and yet all the way proclaiming God. They were just going through the the motions of tradition and yet lost the life that was reality. And Jeremiah was a prophet and he was sent with a message to tell them that they're going to go into captivity. And Jeremiah was there and he he was told to buy land in this place. He was told to go and and do this, to, to not only say the message, but demonstrate it. And he found himself in the pits, literally in prison. And in the prison time, in Jeremiah 33, He was locked up and a word from the Lord came to him. And it's found in verse 2 and 3. And I want you to see it. Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I want to read this from the message translation. This is God's message. This is the word that came to to Jeremiah. The God who made earth, who made it livable and lasting, known everywhere as God, says this, Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you marvelous and wonderful things that you could never figure out on your own. What an invitation. What a promise. Do you realize there's a limit to what technology these days can do for you? It's amazing to me. I think what we've done is we've replaced seeking God with seeking information. It's just so easy to go see what somebody else said about that. As I was looking at entering into 2020 and as I was looking on the net, there is so many prophetic words for 2020. There's all these kind of things. And there's some are same, some are different, all these things. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying for 2020? And he says, ask me. I said, well, what are you saying? Ask me. What he's saying is, ask me. 
call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you wondrous things that you could not ever figure out on your own. I think the invitation to us starting this new year, maybe this new decade, whatever, whichever side of information you want to be on it. Here's the point. I think God is giving us an invitation to step into a future that we don't know yet. But it's not hidden. It's, it's available to us. And if we will turn our attention and seek first the kingdom of God, I think He's going to open up things that's going to be available to not just New Covenant, but available to the kingdom of God, available to the church in the next few years that we have, there's no way we could have figured it out. But it's available because God says, ask me, call to me. There's an infinite, limitless opportunity. It's as limitless as God Himself. In prayer, we can touch three worlds at the same time. Heaven, earth, and hell. Instantaneously. Our prayers influence God far more than we know and touches mankind as nothing else we can do. It torments the devil and changes the world. It can be launched in an instant and at the speed of thought hit its target. Prayer knows no limit of time nor space. It's an amazing thing. We can stand in the now and touch the then. We can stand right here and we can change Israel. You understand what I was saying? You've got to understand there's no limit. It... uh, (laughs) Jack Taylor has written a book. He calls it, Prayer is Life's Limitless Reach. There's nothing beyond its reach. It reaches as far as God reaches. Prayer is an invitation to step into another world that will change you and change your world. So if I were to ask you, what's prayer? We've just talked all about what it can do. What is prayer? Our quick answer is what? Talking to God. Talking to God. Well, I'll tell you something. There's a big difference between talking to God and communion and communicating and living in relationship with God. I, I have a definition for prayer that, that I think is important. And I think every word of this is important. Prayer is a real, personal, interactive relationship between you and God. Every word of that's important. It's real. You don't say prayers. You literally live prayer. You, you, are, you are in prayer. It's not ritual. It's not even religious. It's the fresh breath of relationship. Prayer is essentially a living, interactive relationship between you and God. It's an invitation. An invitation to step into the relationship that God always intended you to have. It's invited into a kingdom that's far beyond this world. Prayer is an invitation by the Creator, the supreme ruler of the universe, to commune and interact with you. Now, most of us have this attitude, what would God want to do? I mean, what would I have to offer God? How How could I ever... Why would God be interested in me? 
Why would he even want to know what I was thinking, what I was hearing? He already knows it anyway, doesn't he? Well, you can know it already, but you still like to hear it. Did you know there's a, there's a scripture, Proverbs 15, 8, in the message says this, God can't stand pious poses, but he delights in genuine prayers. I want you to stop and think about this morning. God takes, finds great pleasure in hearing you pray. I want you to listen to it. God gets great joy out of your prayers. Genuine prayer. Now, he's not impressed with our pious posing. He's not impressed when we want to say our prayers to him. We want to impress him. You remember the Pharisee and the publican went to the house of God to pray? And one prayed thus with himself. I don't think God's impressed with us praying thus with ourselves. Prayer, God loves hearing you. You know how I know that? Because he put that in us. Don't we love... You know what your kid's fixing to say, but don't you love them hearing them say it? My wife, we have two daughters, and they call her on the phone. And I'll ask her, what'd they say? It doesn't matter. They just talk to me. In other words, it was the delight in the conversation. It was the delight in the interaction. It was the delight in the relationship. I want you to hear something. The creator of this universe finds great delight in your interaction with him. He loves you. He's for you. And he loves to hear your voice. He can even, even understand southern drawl. He loves to hear your voice. I want to show you three things this morning about prayer that's available to us. And, and, and I want to take the stigma, and I want to say this, because how many of you feel like you don't know how to pray like you ought to pray? Anybody besides me? I've been praying for 40 years. God teach me to pray. I just don't feel like I'm ever knowing exactly how to get into it, how to, how to do it. I've, I've practiced lists, I've, I've done acrostics, I've done all kinds of things. And the reality I've discovered is God just wants me to be with Him. Spend time with Him. Talk to Him and listen to Him. He wants me to have a relationship. Connie and I have been married almost 47 years. And, and we still, we, we can ride for a long time and not say anything. But I want to tell you something. She said, what do you want to talk, tell me? Well, I wasn't thinking about telling you anything. But what she's saying is, let's talk. What about? Doesn't have to be about. Let's hear each other. Let's relate. Okay? If we do that in marriage, you know the number one problem in marriage is communication. They stop talking. They stop. But it's not just talk. It's about intimacy. It's about relationship. It's about relating. It's about hearing the other one's voice, knowing what they're feeling and feeling from their heart and seeing it from their perspective as well as you sharing your perspective. In other words, it's about being together. And what I think God loves more about prayer than anything else is not so much what you're telling Him or even what He's telling you, but you spending time with Him to where you get to know Him. And He already knows, but He gets to hear you. 
He already knows you, but He gets to hear you. Prayer is that interactive relationship. So here's the first point. In Christ, you have every right to pray. Sometimes, don't we? You don't know, I can't go to God because if I went to God, he'd, it's got going to church. I can't go to church. Lightning would strike me. I can't go to God in prayer because look what I've done. I've not lived up to it. I've not been. I want to show, I want you to understand the, the right to pray has nothing to do with your past, has nothing to do with your present. It has to do with your standing in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, says this. So, friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of His sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is His body. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. King James talks about having boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Here's what gives you the right to pray. The blood of Jesus Christ. This promise, this opportunity, this invitation to enter the, the, the throne room, literally to step into the presence of God without hesitation, without res- reserve, was given to us in the new covenant. In the new covenant. In other words, when Christ, if you go back to, to uh, Hebrews 10 verse 14, it says, by one offering... That Christ forever perfected forever those who are being sanctified or set apart. And he, and then he introduces the new covenant. And then in verse 17 he says, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there remains no longer an offering for sin. In other words, when Christ died for you and you accepted Christ, your sins were removed from you. No longer do they have any bearing in your standing with God. For Christ has opened the way for you by His sacrificed by the finished work of the cross, and you are invited. In fact, I think we ought to enter in clapping our hands and praising God for forgiveness. I am forgiven, I'm clean, and, you know, enter His gates with thanksgiving. I can literally go into the very presence of the throne room of the supreme creator of the universe because the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all sin. It's mine. I have every right. You say, well, preacher, look what you, you've done. Or look what I've done. The blood, where there has been a sacrifice for it, there remains no more sacrifice. It has been finished once and for all. You are free to enter in the very presence of God. You're free. You have every right to approach boldly, without hesitation, in full assurance. And we find ourselves hesitating. Well, you know, I can't pray about that. That's selfish. I want to tell you, I'm a grandfather. I want to know everything they have to say. 
my grandkids, and my kids. I want to know everything that concerns them. Why? Because it concerns me. And if a God would be so concerned about you as to forgive your sins, don't you think He's going to be concerned about what everything else is going on in your life? I want you to understand, you have opportunity and invitation. If you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus... You know, the Jew, and it was written to the Hebrews, the Jew understood there was a four-inch curtain that stood between them and the Holy of Holies. And on that resurrection morning, that curtain split wide open. And now there's access. And he was telling the Hebrews, you have absolute right and access into the very throne room of God. There's nothing keeping you away but you. Nothing. God is holding, uh, holding nothing over your head. It's been paid for. Paid in full. You have every right. Your guilt won't make you any cleaner. Your confession of your sin won't make you any better than what you've been made by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 4.16 in the message says, So let's walk right up to Him and get what He's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. You have every right in Christ. In Christ, you have every right to approach the very throne of God with boldness, confidence, assurance, and request. You have every right. Number two is you have every right to expect an answer. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you. I love the sound of those words. I will answer you. That's not some principle on a page. That's not me telling you, you know, if you pray, God will answer you. No, that's God Himself saying this. I will answer you. I will answer you. And there's one thing about God. If He says, I will, He will. God doesn't break promises. God doesn't turn back on His Word. He will answer you. And the Hebrew word here for answer means to respond in word or deed. I will answer you. I will respond to you. Call upon, call to me, and I will respond. You can ask, you can cry out, you can seek, you can knock, and here's the promise. I will respond. You say, well, that's, that's Old Testament. Well, New Testament says it too. Seven times in John's gospel, Jesus tells his disciples to ask, and he gives a binding promise to answer. God promises to answer. His promise to answer is so sweeping and categorical, it's as if he, he is giving us a guarantee before we've even asked. It's almost like a blank check already signed. Let me show you one, one place in John, and I'll tell you the others. Seven times he says these things. John fourteen thirteen in the message says, From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. In other words, Jesus is saying, If you just... Ask along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing. I'm going to do it. Let me tell you what prayer is. Prayer really is this simple. Prayer is finding out what God wants to do and then asking Him to do it. It's that simple. 
Prayer is seeing what God's up to and agreeing with Him. In your life, in this world, what He's wanting. Jesus said, if you'll just ask, I'm going to do it. He says that also in John 15, 7 and John 16, 23 through 24. These are categorical promises, meaning that they are unqualified and unconditional. You know, and God's not like us. When we make promises, we tend to hedge our bets, don't we? Well, I promise if the creek don't rise. I promise if the wind doesn't get too strong. I promise... And I find that there's no condition. You see, we leave ourselves a, a way out. I find no conditions attached which would lead to, hedge, to, to a hedge on God's part. And what I'm trying to say is here, there's no fine print. We humans want to imply fine print in order to give God an out. Well, preacher, the scripture says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Well, who took care of the iniquity? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we can play with sin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God is going to answer when you call. He's going to answer the call. He doesn't check caller ID. He's going going to answer your call. God doesn't need, nor does He want an out. He wants you to get in on what He's up to. Now, now, I want to say this about answers. Answer doesn't mean you get what you wanted. Answer doesn't mean you get what you expect. Answer means God's going to respond to you and get what's best for you. He's going to answer you. And, I, and let me tell you this. An answer delayed is not an answer denied. You may not get the answer in the timing you wanted to get it. But He will answer you. He will respond. In Christ you have every right to expect an answer. If you're not getting a response from God, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Expect Him to answer. I had a book by Laverne Fromke that had a story in it that just thrilled me. Corrie ten Boom. You remember Corrie ten Boom? She was a survivor of the Holocaust. And this story was she was in Formosa. And the Lord made it clear to her that she had work in several countries and that she should go ahead and buy the air tickets. And so she went to the travel agency and she said to the girl at the desk, will you write down the names of these places for which I need an air ticket? First to Hong Kong, then to Sydney in Australia, then to Cape Town in South Africa, Tel Aviv in Israel, and Auckland in New Zealand, then Amsterdam in Holland. And so the, the little girl wrote down the, the places, and, when, and Corey left, and when she received the booklet with all the different tickets, she saw a mistake in the schedule. She phoned the travel agency and asked, Why have you changed my flight schedule? My chief, that's what she called the Lord. She says, my chief has told me that I must go to Cape Town and after that to Tel Aviv. You changed the sequence. You said Tel Aviv and then to Cape Town. God is my master and I must obey him. But that's impossible, the girl said. There's not a direct airline to us from Australia to Africa. There's no island out in the Indian Ocean for the plane to land to be refueled. 
That's why you must first go to Tel Aviv. Corinne Boone says, no. I must do what my chief has told me. Perhaps I need to pray for an island in the Indian Ocean. But my schedule has to remain as he told me. And she hung up. About an hour later, the girl from the travel agency called. She said, did you really pray for an island in the Indian Ocean? I just received a telegram for Qantas Airlines, the Australian airline. They've begun to use the Cocoa Islands, and now there's a direct route from Australia to Africa via the Cocoa Islands. Corey replied, now you see, miss, that God does not make mistakes in his plans. There's nothing too great for God's power and nothing too small for his love. How many of us would have taken the tickets? Because we don't know our God so much to know that he, when he says it, he will answer it. What he says, he will do. Where he's leading, he's going before. You have every right in Christ to expect God to answer. Call to me. I will answer you. The third thing is, in Christ you have every right to expect revelation from God. Look at the last part of Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I'll answer you and I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. The New King James says, the great and mighty things which you know not. And the language here in the Hebrew is very important because... What it's saying is, is God's going to tell us things that are inaccessible. That's what the word means. Wondrous is inaccessible. In other words, you can't get it anywhere. You see, when we talked about the apps, you can get information from the Internet and you can take the information and then you can do with it and you can decide. But what God is saying is what I'm going to be telling you, you can't reach On the internet. What I'm going to be saying to you, you can't get by reason or rationale. What I'm going to be giving you is something that is too high for you to ever find out on your own. It is what I have for you. It is revelation. It is the unfolding of things that you could not grab a hold of. I want you to understand this promise. What God has for us. What God has for you. And that's another thing. He will answer you. He didn't say, I'll answer y'all. I'll answer you. What God is, and I'm going to show you. And he's talking to Jeremiah. You, great things that you could not figure out on your own. He's sitting in a prison cell. He knows they're about to go into captivity. He doesn't know the end of the product. And God says, I'm going to answer you and I'm going to show you things that, Jeremiah, you couldn't figure out on your own. And I want you to know I'm taking that promise this morning from me that God's about to open revelation to us and to the church of things that we could not have gotten any other way. It's not the newest trend. It's not the newest thing. I believe that He has plans for new covenant that, that there is no way we could have ever figured that out. But God is going to reveal it. And you can have every expectation in Christ to believe that God is going to give revelation that you couldn't touch apart from Him. 
You can't figure it out. It's not going to be in the, uh, uh, the next newsletter. God has things in store that you can't get. Let me tell you, man makes predictions about 2020. God gives revelation. And let me tell you something. I'd rather have God's revelation than man's information anytime. Information will just confuse you. How many of you know that we have information overload? Revelation will free you. Revelation will establish you. Revelation will let you know that suddenly prayer ceases to be a request and becomes a proclamation. This is what God has said. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What man could not figure out on his own, God, you are revealing. You promised. You will reveal. And it's crazy how sometimes God will do it. I read a story about Tony Campolo. You know Tony Campolo was an evangelist and he's written a lot of books and different things. But he tells a story, he tells of a prayer meeting that was held for him before he spoke at a Pentecostal college. And I'm saying Pentecostal for a reason. Eight men took him in a back room, had him kneel down and they laid their hands on his head and began to pray. And they were Pentecostal. They prayed a long time. And the longer they prayed, the more tired he got and the more tired they got and the more they leaned on his head. To make matters worse, one of the men was not even praying for Tony. He went on on and on about praying for somebody named Charlie Stoltz. Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stoltz. He lives in a silver trailer down the road on about a mile. And you know the trailer, Lord. Lord, it's right down the road on the right side. Tony's sitting there thinking, I wish, you know, you don't have to furnish God a map. Lord, Charlie told me this morning he's going to leave his wife and his kids. Step in and do something, God. Bring that family back together. Tony finally got the Pentecostal preachers off his head and delivered the message, and he got in his car to drive home. And as he drove and he was fixing to go on the turnpike, he noticed a hitchhiker, and he normally doesn't pick up hitchhikers, but he felt impressed to give this man a ride. And they drove a few minutes, and, and Tony introduced him. He said, hi, my name's Tony Campolo. What's yours? And the man said, Charlie Stoltz. <laughs> Tony couldn't believe it, so he just took the next exit and headed back the way he had came. And the man became a little bit uneasy. He said, hey, mister, where are you taking me? And Tony said, I'm taking you home. Why? Because you just left your wife. Why? He said, because you just left your wife and kids, right? And the man really looked at him and said, yeah. And with shock, he began to press himself over to the car door a little more. (laughs) Tony really did a number on him when he drove up right to that silver trailer. How did you know I lived here? God told me. (laughs) man opened the trailer door and his wife began to shout, You're back! You're back! And the husband reached over to her and began to whisper in her ear. And the more he whispered, the bigger her eyes got. (laughs) Then Tony said, With real authority, the two of you sit down. I'm going to talk to you and you two are going to listen. And they did listen. And that afternoon, Tony led the two young people to Jesus Christ. How did he know what God was going to do? In a prayer meeting. It wasn't just information. It was revelation about what God was going to do that he could have never figured out on his own. Listen to me, folks. 
God has given us an invitation at the beginning of this new year. Many of us say, God, I want to walk closer with you this year. I want, to, I want to see what you want to do. I want to make sure that I step into your purposes. I want to be a part of what you're doing, God. And let me tell you, there's an invitation. There's an app for that. It's called prayer. And as you give your, your time, your relation to God, I want you to know your prayer matters to God. The more you communicate with God and He communicates with you, the more you know what you couldn't know. You begin to know Him for who He is. Not what you've just been told or even taught or even imagined. You get into His Word and as as you communicate, His Word gets into you. You begin to see what He's up to. You see His goodness, His mercy, His holiness, His greatness. Through prayer you begin to think His thoughts, discern His direction and identify with His character and His concerns. You begin to feel His heartbeat for the world and your community and your family. Prayer begins to change you you and you begin to change in the midst of your world and God answers your prayers Philippians 4, 6 and 7 in the Amplified says this don't fret or have any anxiety about anything but in every circumstance and everything by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God and the God and God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and being content with your earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount a guard over your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what you really desire for 2020? Not to fret or have anxiety about anything? To have God's peace, fearing nothing from God and having contentment with where you're at, having His peace mount a guard over your heart and mind? I'm telling you, there's an app for that. It is your prayer life with God. And I've been using a word every time I gave you the three things. In Christ, you have every right to approach the throne boldly. In Christ, you have every right to expect an answer. In Christ, you have every right to expect revelation from God. And it's in Christ. That's the key. But perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know if you're in Christ. Well, there's an app for that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He will put you in Christ. And you can approach boldly the throne of grace and expect an answer and expect revelation. Here's what I'm trying to say. Prayer is, I believe there's only two ways you get to know God. And they're, 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 they're twins. They're two sides of the coin. Prayer and the Word. The Word is, is just information until you get the revelation with it. You get the revelation through prayer. Prayer and the Word. The Word tells you about God. Prayer lets you know God. I want you to understand, they relate. So here's what I want you to do for the next 21 days. Would you set aside a time to open your heart and open your Bible with God 
in a loving, living, personal, interactive relationship. And would you just start a prayer life? I wanted you to read Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39 this week. Just with God. Just read it. With a prayerful life. Opening your heart to what he's going to be saying. Read it in different translations. Read it. Ask him questions. Ask him what he means. Ask him what's in it for you. Ask him what he wants. I want you to know, here's my absolute belief. I believe when you will enter into his presence with thanksgiving, thanking him that your sins are forgiven and that you have every right to be there, he's going to respond to you. And not only is he going to respond to you, but he's going to begin to let you see revelation, things you could not know about him and you could not know about yourself. And that's not condemning. It's really, you couldn't know how good things are with you and him. And I want to just invite you to step in because I want you to know, I believe for you that God has things in these next 10 years for you and this church and this world that we can't get any other way. And I just want to invite you to join me in saying, God, I want to know. I want to know you. I want to know your answer. And I want to know your revelation. And I believe God will meet you right there because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.